Uh, good morning. It's my pleasure to uh, lead us in uh, corporate prayer. If uh, you would uh, bow your heads and I'll pray, lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Father, you have blotted out our transgressions and redeemed us by promise and blessing through Abraham, Father. We uh, praise your name for that. We thank you for that promise. Lord, with confidence in that promise, we come to your throne uh, this morning with our prayers, Lord. I do lift up uh, Richie Hamer and his family, Father, in the death of Richie's dad. Lord, just uh, comfort them and be with them. Lord, I'd also pray for uh, Dave and Catherine Driscoll and Baker and um, Lord, just uh, walk with them and uh, let them feel your love and your presence. And Lord, use us as a body to um, wrap your arms around them and be your uh, loving uh, presence for them, Father. Lord, we also uh, pray for our missionary partners in South Asia, John and Kelly, Father, who are here with us this morning. And uh, Father, just pray that uh, you would have your hand on their ministry, that uh, you would uh, use us this morning to encourage them uh, as they're in our presence, Father. Lord, we lift uh, all these requests up in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. It's a joy to be here with you and to preach from the book of Numbers. It's an exciting book, though you may not agree with me. I tell you it is true. Um, Also, very quickly, a moment of pastoral privilege. I've looked around and I've noticed there's a number of college students here, an abundant number of college students. We're so glad that you're here with us. And you may be asking, can Covenant spread a table for us in the wilderness? And I tell you, we can. We have lunch today for college students, so if you're a college student, please stick around, lunch that way after the service, okay? We will feed you the food that you are demanding and craving. Okay, so friends, we're in the book of Numbers, and starting in our passage today in chapter 11, going through chapter 22, Israel is on the move. We've left Sinai, and these next 10 or so chapters recount about 38 years of God's people's experience in the wilderness, the wandering generation. And really our passage today sets forth a paradigm of God's people and how our hearts are tuned um, often to grumbling. And I wanted to share with you, I experienced my own version of this wilderness wandering over fall break. So this past weekend, our family, we decided to go to North Carolina for a long fall break weekend. And At the beginning of our trip, as we're loading up the car, like Moses telling um, his friends and telling God's people, he is promising the good of Yahweh to them. I was promising the good of Yahweh to my family. I said, guys, when we get to Brevard, it's going to be beautiful. There's going to be waterfalls. It's going to be amazing food, and we're going to have a great time. I was promising the good, and then we load up the car, and just like God provided manna for them, you know that today God still provides manna in the form of pirate's booty. For those of you who don't know what that is, it is small white cheddar puffs that are terrible for you, unlike manna, but the kids love them. And so I loaded them up, gave them bags of pirate's booty, and we were off. And we were on the way listening to good music. And 15 minutes later, the first bag of pirate's booty gets thrown across the car 
whininess erupts and the first, I don't want this food. And they're throwing it on the ground. And then the next kid, yeah, me either. And then they were demanding the food that they craved, which was then veggie straws. And they were not pleased with what they had been given. And then what happened in the back of the van reached to the front of the van and everybody was grumbling at that point, including the leaders of this voyage, me driving the wheel. And I'm like, God, these people that you have given me to steward, it's too much for me. I cannot do this alone. And then just gently and sweetly, Liz reaches her hand over, touches my arm, and she says, you need to calm down. And we laugh at that because it's true and we've all experienced it. We've all experienced something like this where we've gotten into a circumstance that at the outset we really hoped would be good and then we get into it and it is awful. It's really disappointing. It kind of burns our hearts at just how frustrated we are And then there's two questions that come up in our hearts, and I think that's what's happening in God's people's hearts in this passage. Can we, and really, will we depend upon Yahweh and trust his word? Or will we reject him in utter discontentment? That's the question that's before us. Will we depend upon the Lord and trust in his word, or will we reject him in utter discontentment? And so as we ask those questions, I want to read our passage. We're going to read from Numbers 11, 1 to 23, and then we'll note some of the other portions of our passage in chapter 11 and 12. So let's read together and then we'll pray. Numbers 11. And the people complained in the hearing of Yahweh about their misfortunes. And when Yahweh heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of Yahweh burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to Yahweh and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Taberah because the fire of Yahweh burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of delium. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in handmills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of Yahweh blazed hotly and Moses was displeased. Moses said to Yahweh, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. 
If you will treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Then Yahweh said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of Yahweh, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore, Yahweh will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but a whole month. Until it comes out at your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. Because you have rejected Yahweh who is among you and have wept before him, saying, why did we come out of Egypt? But Moses said, the people among whom I I am number 600,000 on foot. And you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and be enough for them? And Yahweh said to Moses, is Yahweh's hand shortened? Now you will see whether my word will come true for you or not. All flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to gather in your presence this morning. We ask that you would give us humility and clarity to discern our own hearts. Help us to see Jesus clearly and to tune our hearts to his grace. Help us to look to him and to cling to him in faith. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. So we're on the way in the wilderness, and the question is, will we depend upon Yahweh and trust in his word, or will we reject him in utter discontentment? That's the question that we're all facing now. It's the question we will face the whole way until we get home, because that's the paradigm of the wilderness. And the first thing that we, I want to do, there's three that we'll note in, in this morning, but the first is this, we need and must discern the grumbliness of our own heart. Yes, kids, you heard me correctly. The grumbliness of our own hearts. And we can see this very clearly in the very first four words of our passage. Look with me at verse 1 in chapter 11. And the people complained. And the people complained. We recognize this. In fact, we resonate with this remark because we have all done this. We have all been standing in some circumstance which the Lord has brought and we have complained. We have said, I don't like it, I don't want it, and you're to blame. That's essentially what's happening with God's people in this moment in their complaint, but it actually goes even deeper than that. See, at the end of chapter 10, as the camp broke and they were setting off into the wilderness, following the pillar of cloud, following God's very presence, Moses stood there and told them. He promised the good of Yahweh to them. He was very emphatic. Yahweh will do good for you. You can trust him. And right here in verse 1, in this complaint, they are taking the promised good of God and they're turning it into something 
much worse. Look with me at verse 1. So they complained in the hearing of Yahweh about their misfortunes. Now, this is a misfortunate word because actually that word is evil. Here's what happens in the grumbliness of our heart. We take the promised good of God, and when we get into a hard circumstance, we inevitably start calling good evil and evil good. In their complaint, they're looking at the promised good of God, and they're actually calling it evil. And it it gets even worse than that. What this really is, is it's a denial of God's good and gracious providence over their lives. And they're essentially saying, God, not only have you not provided good, God, you're not good. God, you're not just. God, you're not able to care for us here. In fact, this is evil, what we're experiencing. Friends, and we have to understand that grumbliness is like fertilizer. Grumbliness is the fertilizer for discontentment. And discontentment, when it grows, it grows like weeds. And it starts to choke out all of the good fruit that God is producing in your life by the Spirit. See, when grumbliness hits the soil of your heart, it fertilizes discontentment, which can grow like, like mint. It just keeps going and going, and it spreads everywhere. But mint is good, so let me rephrase that. It's like weeds that take over, and it chokes out the good the good works that God has put before you, the good fruit that he's producing in you, discontentment chokes it all out. And so what's happening in this moment is they've arrived into a really hard circumstance. They're in the wilderness. They're in a place that is not lush. They're in a place where there is need. And those are the very moments that temptation hits. This was what Paul was mentioning in 1 Corinthians 10. When we're looking at the Old Testament, the whole point is so that we can understand how God works and moves his people and how temptation hits people. And it hits really, really hard in circumstances like this. And when temptation hits a grumbly heart, here's what happens. You see, God's people were in the wilderness and they were looking and perceiving their circumstance. Remember what the story, God had delivered them out of the evil of slavery, out of the kingdom of darkness, and by his grace and power brought them to himself, freed them from oppression, brought them to himself and has provided all of their needs for the past two years, cared for them intimately. And here they are. Now they're perceiving this in the wilderness. And what happens with temptation is it starts to give you a very short-term memory. We start to think very differently about our life in the past. We start to think very differently about the sin that we've been delivered from. Look what happens with God's people in verse 4. So, well, the rabble, which we'll get to in a second, among them had a strong craving, had a deep desire for what they wanted. They were demanding what they wanted. And then they invited the people of Israel into it. The whole people, as a collective, wept again. Noticed a paradigm. There's something happening again and again. They wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. And look how they remembered their time in Egypt. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing the freedom we had and enjoyed, the fish that was free and, oh, the melons and the cucumbers and the garlic and the leeks and the onions. It was delicious. It was delightful. Man, you know what? Pharaoh provided better for us than Yahweh is. That's for sure. You know what? We had it better in Egypt. I wish we were back there where it was free. Isn't it fascinating that that's what temptation can do to our hearts? We can start to look back on our own sinfulness and we can start to look back on our old circumstances we can start to remember things a little differently. 
And then what happens is we, we look forward to the future and we create unmeetable expectations. So we say, instead of saying by faith, Yahweh has provided for us and he will provide for us all the way home, we start to say, you know what? Yahweh doesn't care about us. He's not done anything good for us, nor will he. In fact, he's brought us out here to die. That's the whole reason why Moses goes on a three-verse diatribe about the manna, describing it in detail. Because they're unable to perceive reality as it is. You see, he tells about the manna and how, look at it, it's, it's like coriander seed and its appearance is like a shiny pearl. Like it's actually really pretty to look at. Delium. The people go about and they gather it and they're, they're able to make it and they make it into sweet cakes. Another passage tells us that it was like cakes with like a sweet syrup. They're essentially like honey buns. It's delicious. And not only that, but it falls with the dew at night when they're asleep, when they could do nothing. And in the morning when they wake up, there it is. Now that's true freedom. They go out in the morning and they see God's abundant provision. They gather up what they need and those who gather up much disperse it to those who gather up little. There is no lack because that is true freedom and they can't see it because of the grumbliness of their own heart. And not only that, it's contagious. Watch this. This is unbelievable. So in verse 4, the rabble, which is among them, this is a fascinating word and it sets off the rest of the passage. I want you to follow it. That word is actually kind of a play on words of the word gather. Okay, so there's a gathering of outsiders, the rabble, the riffraff, as one scholar noted, a motley crew of malcontents, which I love. And if you know anything about motley crew, they can be loud, they can be a little nasty. Okay, so we've got the motley crew of malcontents, the rabble, the gathering. They had a deep craving, and then watch what happens. And then the whole children of Israel, the whole people of God join in. See how fast that is. The rabble gather with themselves away from Yahweh and they start murmuring and grumbling. And then that infects and spreads to the entirety of God's people all the way until it reaches even the leaders of the people. Moses and Miriam and Aaron in chapter 12 are also going to join in on this contagion. Friends, this is what we're invited to do in this passage is we need to discern the grumbliness of our own heart. Where in your life, in your circumstances that are really hard and challenging, where are these circumstances leading you to not trust the Lord? Where in your life are you having kind of a false memory of sin and sinfulness and starting to call it good and even better than what the Lord has given you now? Where are you creating really unmeetable expectations on other people? Where are you experiencing a deep lack of gratitude for God's very abundant provision, which is leading you into a lack of faith that he will do it again? And where are you living in constant resentment and constant discontentment, falling into a chronic addiction to your own sinfulness? Desiring more and more the objects of base material affection. These are the circumstances where we can really see the grumbliness of our own heart. How we've been gathered away from Yahweh and we're just in this cesspool of grumbling. So it's into that cesspool that Yahweh speaks. 
that Yahweh comes and he meets people. And so the second thing I want us to see is the very long arm of Yahweh. I want us to see the very long arm of Yahweh. You'll notice that in verse 23, at the end of this dialogue, this is what Yahweh says to Moses. Is Yahweh's hand shortened that he can't actually do what he said he would do? Is is Yahweh's arm too short to provide for you or to act in discipline? Is Yahweh's hand too short? Is his arm too short? Well, you know what? You're going to find out. You're going to see whether or not my word can be trusted, whether or not my word will come true for you or not. And so this is what we see with Yahweh's long arms. He has the ability to both patiently provide for his people and his arm is also long enough to provide just judgment when it's needed. So patient provision and just judgment in the long arms of Yahweh. But here's how it starts. Whenever we discern the grumbliness of our own heart, know this, Yahweh is listening. I tell my kids this all the time. Uh, Bridger, who, this is so fascinating. So Bridger can be outside and Liz and I could be talking about a situation with him and he will come in the door and be like, hey, what are y'all talking about? Are y'all talking about this? And I'm like, how did he know? He was outside. And so then we dip into Spanish to talk about our children so that they can't understand And apparently he's picking it up because he'll walk in and be like, uh, I did not hit him. And I'm like, how did he? Yes, you did. Uh, (laughs) Um, it's a Yahweh hears. You see the rabble or earlier in chapter in, in verse one, chapter 11, the people complained in Yahweh's hearing and he heard it later in chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron are going to complain, speak against Moses and Yahweh hears it. Friends, whether in private or in public, the grumbling of your heart, the complaining that you invite other people into, that you do not take to the Lord, but you throw onto other people, Yahweh hears. God himself hears. He knows. He knows the circumstances that you're in because he brought you into them. He knows the hard providences that you're under because he brought you there. And he can also hear the grumbly sin of your heart but he is patient. Look with me at how patient he is and how he patiently provides. So verses 10 through 15 of chapter 11, Moses kind of joins in on the grumbling. I think he is grumbling. Scholars are not sure whether or not he's participating. I think he is, but I think he's doing it in the right direction. You see, the rabble invited the people of God to grumble away. They gathered away from Yahweh. There's a, it's, it's really clear in the text. Moses, when he has a complaint, where is he going? He's going right to the horse's mouth. He goes straight to Yahweh and he's laying his complaint and he's pleading with Yahweh for help. Moses goes right to him and pleads. He says, Lord, this people, the the burden is too much. It's too much for me to carry. I can't do it. He was probably taking on more than the Lord gave him. You know, I can't do this. You told me that I can't carry this whole people all the way. I can't provide for them. You know, he's like, I I never asked you to. I'm going to do it. But he says, it's too much for me. I cannot bear this alone. And so the Lord is gracious and he's patient and he provides. Listen to what he does. In verse 16, this is what the Lord says to Moses. Gather for me 70 elders and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. Notice that word gather. The rabble, right, that were leading people into grumbling were gathering away from Yahweh. And so Yahweh patiently says, here's what I want you to do. 
gather leaders back to me. Gather them back and let them come toward me. Come to my presence. Come to the tent where I am. And when you're there, I'm going to give the Spirit of God. I'm going to put it on them. I'm going to put it on these leaders with you, Moses, so that you will not be alone. He takes Moses' complaint and he sees through it to the heart of the matter that Moses feels alone and unable. He is insufficient. And God says, yes, that's the exact place I need you to be. And so he gives the spirit onto these 70 men and they start prophesying, showing, vindicating that they also are going to help lead, but for a time. Because God is patient and he provides and he meets his people right where they need him. Moses did exactly what he always said. So he gathered these elders and he put them there. And fascinatingly, after this moment, look at, look at verse 30. What happens? It says, Moses and the elders returned to the camp. That word again, gathered back to the camp. It's gathered. So Yahweh in his patient provision gathers men to himself, gives them his spirit, and then asks them to gather back to the camp to proclaim the goodness and the provision of God amongst people who are grumbly at heart. That's the way it is and ought to be in the church. We ought to be gathered towards Yahweh together to receive his good word, to receive the grace of King Jesus, and then to gather back out with one another to tell of his goodness, to prevent ourselves from gathering in groups to start, you know, with our strong desires and cravings and grumbling against Yahweh to one another until it infects the whole. This is how patient Yahweh is and how he provides with us. But he also is just to judge when it's necessary. So this is what happens. The people were, they were, they were hungry. They were desiring meat. We want meat to eat. We remember the free fish, which wasn't free, and we want meat. And Yahweh says, okay. And you see it in verse 18. He says to the people, prepare yourself, consecrate yourself, get ready. You want meat, you're going to get it. In fact, you're going to get so much of it that you're not going to be able to carry it all. I'm going to give you meat, not just for one day or even five days or even 10 days. I'm going to give you meat for a whole month. You're going to eat meat so much and so often it's going to start coming out of your nose and you're going to hate it. You're going to eat so much that you're going to start vomiting meat. That's essentially what's being said here. This is what happens when the cravings of our heart, the desires that we most want, when God gives us over to those cravings and those desires become the very thing that is the medium of judgment for us. You read this in Romans. God does give people over to their desires. It's the way in which he judges them. And friends, we are not immune. God disciplines those whom he loves. And sometimes he gives us over to our sin so that we can see clearly just how bad it is and how much we are in need of him. And that's the point here. He is justly judging them with the very thing that they wanted to the point where they don't want it anymore. And notice this, this is what happens. He says, prepare yourself because you've not, you, it's not that you want meat. What is it that he says? Look at verse 20. Here's the reason, because you've rejected Yahweh who's among you. Earlier in verse four, the rabble, the gathering that was among them convinced them to follow after their cravings. And Yahweh's like, no, I'm the one who's in your midst. I'm the one who's with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am the one who's there and you've rejected me. That's what's happening. 
And the grumbliness of our heart, that's what we often do. We reject the God who is with us because we want the things that we want. We reject the Lord who is among us. And we weep and we say, why did we even come out of Egypt? It was way better for us there. And so Yahweh says, all right, well, here it is. And in verse 31, he brings a strong wind and he drops quail up to their knees all around the camp. These are probably millions upon millions of actual birds, actual quail. And, and the person who gathered the least gathered up 10 bushels of it. <clears throat> it's unbelievable how much quail this is. But notice the movement in verse 31 and 32. So all this quail is outside the camp. Outside the camp is the place of death and chaos. So the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day and they gathered the quail. That same word, Yahweh sends them outside the camp and, they're, and he's asking them to gather it all up. And why is he doing this? It's subtle, but Yahweh is showing them exactly what life was like in Egypt. They had a bad memory. They thought that the fish was free. And he's like, no, here's what it cost you. You labored all day, all night, all day, all night, no rest, no break. The Lord, you were given no respite from the labor and toil. You were a slave and you were oppressed. You were beat down every instance. And so you want this? You want to go back to Egypt? I'm going to remind you what it's like. You're going to work all day, all night, all day, and you're going to gather all of it up and it's going to make you sick. He's reminding them of what life was like graciously so that they would remember and see it is not so good for us back there. In fact, God has done well for us. And those who gathered up the least gathered 10 homers and they spread it all out. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And the Lord struck down the people with a very great wound, a very great plague. You want to know what it's like in Egypt? It's slavery and labor and oppression with no rest. And what happens in Egypt is judgment. And so just like he struck down the Egyptians with 10 plagues, he strikes down the people with a great plague. This is what life is like when you're given over to sin. And friends, we need to know this. We need to discern the grumbliness of our own heart because we either are going toward Yahweh and being gathered toward him in patient provision, or he might be giving us over to the desires of our own heart. And when that happens, judgment is not far away. So are you depending on the Lord and trusting him or are you rejecting him in discontentment? You must ask yourself this question. And when you answer that question, I want you to see the very last thing that, that we're going to see in this passage. The grace of our mediator. We've seen the grumbliness of our heart. We've seen the very long arm of Yahweh to patiently provide and to justly judge. And now I want you to see the grace of the mediator. See, in chapter 12, not only did the rabble convince all the people, but the leadership of Israel also got convinced to grumble. So Miriam and Aaron, they come and they're before the Lord and they complain. They speak against Moses and Yahweh hears it. And they're like, hey, we're a big deal. Aaron, high priest of Israel. Miriam, a prophetess of Israel who taught Israel the song of redemption. Like, we're pretty, we're pretty big deal. Has, does God only speak through Moses? We surely have some semblance of authority here. 
And Yahweh hears this grumbling and complaining, and he is not pleased. And so he invites, he comes suddenly, meaning terrifyingly, and he invites them to the tent. And I can't imagine that walk if I'm Aaron or Miriam. But Aaron, Miriam, and Moses come to the tent, and Yahweh says, if there's a prophet among you, this is how I speak to him. It's in visions and in revelations. It's in dreams. It's unclear, but I speak to him for my purposes. Not so with Moses. With him, I speak mouth to mouth. He's inside the tent. I speak to him face to face, and he sees my form. With him, I am close and intimate for the reason that he might mediate my grace to the people, be an intercessor for them. And it says that Moses was a very meek man. He didn't say anything to Aaron or Miriam about what had happened. He didn't say anything, but Yahweh knew. And so at that moment, Yahweh departed in his anger and he put a disease of leprosy on Miriam. And she came, she came out with a skin disease. And what you know, we've, we went through Leviticus in Sunday school. What happens to those in leprosy? Where are they sent? Outside the camp, outside to the place of death, outside to the place of chaos. And they're there until it goes away. It's there until something, Yahweh, heals them and they're able to come back in. I want you to notice the grace of Yahweh in our mediator. Look at the end in verse 15. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days. She was shut outside after Moses, hearing Aaron's plea, Aaron looks at Moses, Moses, please forgive our sin. We've acted foolishly. Don't, don't do this. Heal her. So Moses rightly goes right to Yahweh and he says, Yahweh, please heal her. It's a very simple prayer. Yahweh, please heal her, please. And Yahweh says, I will do this. She will go outside the camp, but for a time. She was outside the camp seven days and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. Friends, that word again is gather. Here's the grace of our mediator. Often in sin, we gather away from him and we are just relishing in our own sin. This is what life was like before Jesus. We just relished our sin. We loved being in it. We loved gathering away from Yahweh. You see, Unlike Moses, Moses could not carry the burden of the people. He was a man and all the best of men are men at best. And Moses could not do it. He could not do it alone. Even the meekest, most humble man to walk could not carry the burden of the people. And so it shows that we needed something better. And so God in his mercy and in his grace sent forth his own son who is the mediator the only redeemer of God's elect, the only one who can stand in the face of God and intercede for us. And so it was God himself in the son, in Jesus Christ, who stands in the gap and who speaks to God face to face and who pleads the merit of his blood while we were outside the camp. And he says, I will not let my people go forward until mine are gathered in. We're not going to get home. We're not going into the promised land until all of mine are gathered into me again. You who were in sin, who were relishing sin, he became sin for you. That you might be healed and be gathered back in under his gracious protection. You who were far off, who needed a gracious savior, have been gathered in because you've heard your name called and you have humbly come and you're under his care and provision. 
See, Jesus is the humble one who says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. He, unlike Moses, can carry the burden of all of his people. He invites you to bring it. He invites you to lay on him all of your worries and your anxieties because he cares for you. He's the one who intercedes, who pleads the merit of his blood and who says, Father, they are mine because you gave them to me and I will gather them up and I will bring them home. That is our hope. And so in your hard circumstances, in the places of wilderness that you and your family and our church is in, we're invited to discern our own grumbliness and then ask ourselves the question, will we depend upon the Lord and trust in his word? May our answer always and forever be yes and amen in the power of the spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you are a gracious mediator. We thank you that we can come with our burdens, with all of our confusions, fear, and pain, and we can leave them at the cross of Jesus and take up your kingdom reign. As we come to your table with our hunger and thirst, we know that you can quench them and that you alone satisfy Help us to know that everything we long for will find attainment when to our own selves we gladly die resting in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.